Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource for all things Husky, college hockey related, and really just all around goofiness. And as we struggle through this offseason, I don't know about you, but uh, the days have kind of drudged by um, uh, as, as this offseason has, has continued. But, uh, you know, I still have a job, and uh, we don't know the job status of uh, Mel Pearson still. Yeah, I think he's uh, maybe no news is good news from his perspective. I'm going to go with that. I don't understand how there isn't any whispers or there isn't any rumors or it's just both are under the assumption, I guess, that it's going to continue, but without an actual contract signed. I mean, they've got to make some kind of decision here shortly, I would imagine. Maybe he'll just coach for free. Just be like, oh, oh. Ooh. Kind of thought that we were going to get a na- national title for you with all the you know seventeen draft picks we had last year, and so I'll just do the job gratis for the next year. Maybe it'll be for community service uh, yeah. instead of actually for uh, getting a paycheck. So it'll be he'll he'll be uh, coaching at the t- at the at the side on the benches with uh, in an orange jumpsuit. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's hope. For his sake, that's not the case. But uh, we shall see. It's a developing Holy story. Cow. We don't know. Speaking of orange, I'm going way off the rails already in this podcast. So uh, the other day, my wife and I were driving down I-94, and we go past um, the car dealership. And that car dealership um, used to be uh, by the one... Guy, now I can't remember his name. Not Tom Petters. Who was the other guy that got caught oh, up in all of that? Denny Hecker? Denny Hecker. Another that's white right. collar criminal of Minnesota fame. <laughs> so we were like looking. So anyway, people listening to this podcast probably are too young to remember both Denny Hecker and uh and Tom Petters. And all the white collar. Like Denny Hecker is out. Like he's doing consulting, really? business consulting. He's like, who is going to hire him to consult under business relations? Somebody will, I'm sure. Maybe Mel Pearson. Who knows? Um, Tom Petters, he's gone for like life. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think he's from St. Cloud, uh, Stearns County at least. I mean, he is probably Stearns County's most decorated white collar criminal. Uh, it's, he's, he, they, they've done like those, uh, you know, American greed type shows that have been specifically on him. Denny Hecker is, I think, more of a regional, um, figure, whereas Petters really hit the national scene with his malfeasance. Yeah. I mean, that's just, just straight up, uh, $3.65 billion Ponzi scheme received a 50 year federal sentence. St. Cloud, Minnesota's own Tom Petters. He's in Leavenworth right now. <laughs> and probably not getting out anytime soon. No, 10 counts of wire fraud, three counts of mail, one count conspiracy to commit mail and wire fraud. I mean, if you're, if you're already guilty of 
13 counts of both See, mail that, and that's, wire. That's Only the charge. one count of the conspiracy. That's the charge that he really, <laughs> he really hates. He's like, I did, that's, that's BS. I, you should have got me off on that. They just, they just tacked that one on. That one's unfair. That I one only was... stole, I only fleeced 3.1 billion. Damn it. Have you, have you, do you remember the, the mask? Jim Carrey movie. Been a while. Mid 90s. I, 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 I remember it. There's the scene where, you know, he gets caught by the cops and they're digging through his notes or digging through his uh, pants of all the things that he has in his pockets. And obviously it's all cartoonish and he pulls out. all. It's like, oh, how did that get in there? What's that? And there's a big old bazooka. And he's like, oh, I've got a permit for that. <laughs> so that, that's kind of what it reminds me with all of these wire mail frauds, conspiracy money laundering. Yeah. St. Cloud's old. We should have like a St. Cloud... Born in St. Cloud, so so we can teach the youngins about all of the like, white collar crime that happens. I guess. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that'll be so, a, that's our that's well, our spinoff podcast. Uh, that'll Stearns, be the next podcast. You know, we, we have to Stearns have County like, Confidential. <laughs> that's actually not I, a I half. Just, that's not I a half bad like, idea. Actually, no, I think we get a lot of episodes <laughs> out of that. And then not only that, but like I could hear, I could hear like a jail cell slamming. And I think yep, that would Saint be Claude prison. <laughs> that, that'll be, that'll be the, uh, that'll be our intro. So, so whereas Mel Pearson, um, does not have an official job or a contract, a former Husky does. That's right. Uh, coming back here into the fold and, uh, our our um, former uh, alternate captain, I believe, his senior year, uh, Clark Custer, um, or Clark Custer. I guess For, I never. I think I've heard I both. I've heard it both ways. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna go Custer. You go Custer. I'll go Custer. How about we'll, then? We'll, there we'll you have go. Them both. One of us will be. Right. Yeah, we'll have them both covered. We'll we'll, we'll have it both covered. So. I, I, you know what? I jumped into this. I didn't even, I didn't even properly do the intro. I should just have the intro canned, like for all of us. I'm Weldy, sitting with Andrew here, talking all things Tom Petters, yep. Denny Hecker, and uh, Clark Cooster. A little, a little bit of what do these State three have in common? Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, Cooster, uh, uh, um, you know, did a little bit of a stint as the assistant coach for the Norsemen. Um, and uh, now is going to be the in-game video coordinator guy person I think at Honcho. Right. At, which, there also might be like associate head coach title tacked onto that as well. It's it's what Enga, RJ Enga, mm-hmm. was doing last year. And then he replaced Oliver because Oliver went to the USHL. Uh, and so shuffling the deck chairs here. And so this is, uh, yeah, he's kind of, he'll be in the press box or he'll be, uh, you know, up top, not behind the bench, but the earpiece that RJ Anga will be wearing will be connected. They'll, they'll be buddies. Uh, RJ and, uh, Clark will be buddies because they're going to be going back and forth. He'll be, he's kind of the one that they'll use to, should we review this? We'll get to that reviews because, uh, the NCAA did some rule changes and touched on the review process uh, as part of that. We'll get to that later. So, so that's a, yeah. that's you know the video coordinating part of it, the in-game part portion of that. that that's obviously part of that. And just seeing the bird's eye view of the game is a little bit different from watching behind the bench. So 
he's going to be able to fill that role. Who knows? You know, once once Anga moves on to greener pastures, perhaps Custer fills the job that Anga is in the you know on the bench. Uh, this is uh, obviously the stepping stone for uh, for a, a bigger job at the, at the college level. But uh, but as we mentioned, now, oh, go ahead. When you say shuffling the deck chairs, is 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 that a is that a Titanic reference? Are you yeah. implying that we're we're a sinking ship here? Yeah, maybe musical chairs maybe would have been a better analogy. Um, yeah, gotcha. it's not a yeah. Don't 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 be too <laughs> pessimistic. It's only July. Uh, we, we we usually start the pessimism about February or January at the earliest. Um, so let's actually get into the season before we. Uh, I'm actually more pie in the sky than a lot of St. Cloud State fans. Yeah. actually. Yeah, uh, I, I guess I, I'm the pessimistic half uh, of the podcast. But di- yeah, sorry, it was a Freudian slip, if anything. Uh, <laughs> so did um, so the earpiece has been passed then uh, that that's been passed over, and uh, now Cooster is going to be on the receiving end of it. Um, and yeah, played for St. Cloud uh, from 2015 over to 2020. I remember. His um or you know the nineteen two thousand nineteen two thousand twenty season, I remember I believe it was his the exhibition game of his first year. Um, he made just a sick move at the blue line, and just right just a just a cannon of a shot from the point and a win in, and I was like, this guy is gonna be a stud here for Saint Cloud, and then uh, Bob played him for two games throughout the rest of the season. <laughs> I thought. Was that his first year? Because I thought he was the guy. Maybe I'm mi- mix- mixing this up with somebody else, but I thought he was the guy that came in. He had a fair amount of hype. I believe he came in with Schultz. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, they may have played juniors together. I don't know. I remember them coming in as as they were the same age, and I, they were both supposed to be pretty impactful. And then Schultz was. Uh, and Custer was you know, struggled to find playing time. I thought he was the guy that in in September's practices in that first year, like, broke his leg. And I thought he was hurt for, like, his first year. I might be confusing him with somebody else. But, yeah, as you said, did not get much playing time, really, at all uh, for the first two or three years. But then, really, kind of since, I, I think him and Larson probably hit it off a little bit more because, uh, you know, Larson took took over in 2018 and got some more playing time in his last, uh, in his last few years. Um, with the team, and as you said, was was associate captain, or assistant captain, whatever the title is, uh, in in his final year. And I liked that it, kind of how they brought in uh, Oliver a few years ago. We had kind of talked about this when when the uh, Oliver move to Fargo was announced, and we knew that they're gonna have to find a new uh, assistant and probably a new video video guy too. Bringing in a guy that's a little younger, you know, Custer can't he can't be over thirty yet probably his late 20s or so, and, you know, closer to age to the majority of the team, whereas, you know, Larson and Enga are 40, 50 in that age range. So having a guy that's a little closer uh, generationally to the players, I think, is a good uh, a good strategy uh, to, to, to gain some chemistry with the, between the coaching staff and the players. So, um, I, you know, I don't know much about Custer's uh, coaching style. I haven't, obviously haven't, been around the Norsemen or, or any of that, but uh, I, I like the I like the move to to have someone that's fresh 
relatively fresh from playing the college game and, and a guy that is familiar uh, with playing under Larson uh, as well. I, I think it's a, I think it's a good move. Yeah. And if you look at just because of how everything has, you know, shaken up his, his last season was 19 and 20. Um, here we are in the 22, 23 season. So, I mean, you look through the list of his senior roster, you know, Cornilla was on that yeah. team. Okabe was on that team. Um, a backup goaltender at that time was Jackson Caster. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, um, so you've got some familiarity as well. Uh, so it's going to be, um, you know, it, this supporting staff is really, I think, kind of the unsung heroes when it comes to a coaching staff. You know, everyone always points to the head coach and whatnot. Um, but I think a lot, you know, you know, you can't undersell what exactly, you know, the, the staff does now is, you know, Cooster going to make just a massive impact worth four or five wins throughout the season. Probably not, but it's, you know, a lot of um, the camaraderie and communication and whatnot. And it feels that, um, you know, it just the limited amount that I know, at least of, of Larson is that he listens to these people and he's not one to kind of take the high horse and say it's my way or the highway. Um, and, you know, so it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting, like I said, alternate captain uh, here for uh, his, his senior year, um, probably, you know, just for his work ethic for, you know, kind of being on the sidelines for, for so long and still showing up for practice. The, um, if you were to guess how many goals he scored in his uh, SCSU career, where where would you land on that? Well, I, I cheated because I I'm looking at his stat line right now, um, but I'll I'll play along. Um, let's say three. <laughs> let's say less than less than three. Yes, yes. Uh, one goal his senior year. And I got I'm, I'm I gotta look that up. Uh, it was the first game of that 1920 season, which was at Bemidji. Um, and that was the only that was the game that I think they were down four nothing in the third, and they came back to tie to, to tie them. Um, that was a weird series. He was the he was the spark plug. What can yeah, I say? Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, and he uh, he he was injured. Um, for I mean the sixteen seventeen season he had didn't play any as he said just two games in that first fifteen sixteen season. Yeah, eleven games in the combined between the two seasons, the two number one overall seed seasons. Um, I mean so unfortunate with some injuries but also kind of a log jam as well because the de- the defense was pretty stacked in those years so i mean that's yeah that's the other thing i mean you're looking at the defense uh for those for those years i mean obviously with schult like you said um but you had you had a sean you had Purvix, you had meyer um the list goes on so it's it was um it was also tough to crack. I mean, there was only one um, kind of spot that was open at that time. And it was a little bit of a rotating between, uh, you know, like uh, Ilvenin uh, got some time in there. Um, you know, Lazat kind of came out. John Lazat kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and I think that's the big thing that he, you know, when we, because they went, now I'm trying to remember, who did, were they going to recruit who was John Lazat's, teammate in high school that's gonna boy you got me on that one and then they saw john was out and they were like whoa we got to get him too (laughs) and 
yeah, it just kind of came up as a walk-on, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's got a kind of a strong role and has had, you know, a fairly good minor league career. Made it to the NHL, even. I think for one yeah. game for the Wild. So, um, yeah, like you said, that's uh, it, it's a good hire. Uh, St. Cloud State alum. Um, hopefully doesn't end up in the uh, St. Cloud uh, record books as Tom Petters does. Um, that's right. There uh, behind the bench. <laughs> but obviously, I don't think that's going to be an issue. And so, just, just double check, uh, 27 years old. He'll be 28 in January. So, like no. I said, not, not too far. And, and like I said, played with a couple of these players himself. So, uh, mm-hmm. good, good connection with the, with the players there. And the, um, yeah, he played for Cedar Rapids. That's right. Yep. And, uh, uh, Jimmy Schultz played he for, played Omaha. for Omaha because I wrong on that, uh, again. Well, I mean, I would say you were wrong. It's because first off you prefaced that really well. I just knew that they were coming in together and, uh, I was excited, um, for Custer and it just never. It never really took off up until that last year. Um, but glad to have well, him back. Maybe he'll have more of an impact yeah. as a, a behind the bench that he will uh, on the ice. Um, but Yeah, and you always heard those stories, too, about in practice that he has the hardest shot on the team, and we never got to see it in any in, in any game. So. Reminiscent of, of Brocklehorst. Um, Brocklehorst. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, Brocklehorst had more than one goal. I mean, I will say that. He did. He Brock Horst had a lot more playing time. Yeah, he had a good shot. <laughs> just, just ask uh, Mizako. <laughs> oh, so, um, you know, uh, moving along uh, here uh, in other St. Cloud State hockey news, uh, it, the NHL draft happened. Um, and I don't know. Did you watch any of it? I didn't no. watch any. No. It's you know usually the drafts you know for NHL especially you know these guys. It's years away before an impact unless you're a, a top, uh, you know, one or two pick or, or whatnot. And that's just just how call it or that's just how hockey is uh, when it comes to everything. So so I didn't really watch, but I did look at some of the recaps. And um, as expected, um, Adam Ingram uh, did go in uh, the draft. However, uh, he slipped a little bit uh, down, I believe, to the third round. Um, which he was projected even um, a a second round, maybe even a late first in in some projections. Um, but I think some scouts are a little bit wary of the uh, kind of meteoric rise of players. They don't want to get caught too much in the hype, so they don't like to quote unquote reach, which I think led to him slipping, which you know, puts him a lot of you know uh, draft reviews uh, whatnot that I saw. Uh, put him as a list of maybe one of the steals of the draft um, that he did drop to the third round. So that's uh, exciting, exciting to see and uh, exciting for him. And I'm excited to see what he is going to bring uh, really to the table um, and that these scouts saw a lot of promise in him. So therefore I'm going to see a lot of promise in, in him. Yeah. Uh, 82nd overall uh, goes to Nashville interesting organization for him to to hook up with and yeah as you said a, a late bloomer so i'm sure the draft projections of this time last year didn't even know who adam ingram was at all and yeah as you said a couple of those mock drafts had him as far you know late first round i saw a couple in the third and the second round 
wasn't too shocked. I, I thought second round would, would have been the, if I were to bet the round he was going to go in, I'd say the second, but uh, NHL draft is a bit of a crapshoot, especially after you get after the first round. So um, glad to see him taken, uh, obviously. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, last year we had uh, Pert going in the second round, correct? Yeah, second round to the wild. So, like, you know, we've had a couple of first round picks, uh, Chalowski and Ryan Paling, who just got traded, uh, by the way, to the Penguins. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Disappointing tenure uh, for the Canadians. Uh, so hopefully hooking on with the Penguins. A lot of guys have struggled in their careers until they get to Pittsburgh and then something clicks <laughs> by playing with some decent players. Maybe that's the, uh, the recipe for, for Ryan Paling to, uh, also, uh, also getting out of Montreal or getting out of Canada kind of helps as uh, well. Mon- yeah, Montreal's kind of kind of been a, a, a tire fire of a franchise uh, the last year, so maybe that mojo will will help him as well. But we're kind of getting spoiled here as St. Cloud State fans, you know, getting all these these kind of expecting every year to get maybe not a first round draft pick, but you know, second round, third round draft pick. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, if we can be a little disappointed that Ingram only went in the third round, um, you know, there's several teams in the NCHC that didn't even have a single uh, recruit or current player, for that matter, drafted. So uh, I'll, I'll take uh, 82, uh, uh, round three for Adam Ingram. Also, uh, Barrett Hall in the sixth round, who I believe we just skated by, just a, dr- a drive-by uh, uh, mention of barrett hall in the last podcast when uh yeah swing and a miss on our part well i mean he's you know from the from the norseman and i i guess i didn't when we mentioned that and he just 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 uh, announced the recruit to st cloud in the last month or so um and so we didn't really even have much of a chance to talk more about leo gruba who according to mick hatton <laughs> also had yeah you know, i mean he did not get drafted but there was a possibility that he was going to get drafted too. I guess I didn't uh, realize uh, the, the draft possibilities of, of both of those players. Paul ends up getting drafted. Now he won't come into St. Cloud uh, until 2023, but he's drafted in round six by the Kraken uh, of Seattle. Um, so the St. Cloud can now boast a Seattle Kraken draftee uh, in, in Barrett Hall center as well. So, and Ingram as well as uh, center coming in, as you mentioned, Huge season at Youngstown in the USHL. Uh, clearly, I'd say the uh, the the biggest uh, incoming freshman for this class. Um, excited to see uh, Ingram this fall. Excited to see Barrett Hall uh, next fall. Let's hope and um, yeah. congrats to both on their on their uh, being drafted. And I'm excited for these. You know, obviously being two centers. I mean. Hockey now in this game is one down the middle um, where you need incredibly strong centers and have two of them drafted uh, like this is, is is really great to see uh, coming up for the future because that I would say looking down our lineup as of right now, that's our weakest link. Um, Right. And, you know, Granilla and, you know, we're going to have Kirkshank is, you know, I can't imagine we're going to put him at wing. We're going to put him back in center. Um, but you know, Salquist, Belisi. I mean, that's you know, we're 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 going to be pretty thin there, 
So I'm having these two kind of come in over the next two years. It's it's going to be, um, I think we're going to really bolster that uh, that center position. So that's uh, that's awesome to see. Uh, just running down uh, the rest of the NCHC and you know just uh, the number of picks that they had. Um, uh, Denver, um, uh, the rich get richer, I guess what we can say. Uh, they boasted five, um, I believe, picks. And then Minnesota Duluth had four uh, draft picks. So obviously their recent success is uh, getting a lot of and Duluth, uh, attention. Duluth gets the highest drafted NCHC player uh, at 31, Isaac Howard. Did you check out his uh, getup at the NHL draft? I did. And I mean, he looked like a seven, uh, 70s yeah. porn star. Uh, and... <laughs> I was I was immediately like, boy, I immediately hate this kid. And then I'm like, wait, <laughs> wait, he actually has some personality. And, uh, you know, he's he's going to the club and he's throwing dollar bills out and he's got that sort of personality, which, again, is is definitely hate. It's lovable if you root for that team, hateable if you're anybody else. But it's just I was just more shocked at. You just don't see this. Uh, they, I mean, I don't know if part of the junior college ho- or the junior hockey experience is making you the blandest human being possible. Oh, yeah. It's almost part it's, of the training. It's just, I, it's just I think hockey, hockey culture in general, I think, I think it's, it's just yeah. that way. It's just they beat it out of you the whole time. And, and it's they must. I think they do it almost intentionally. Like you're going to get these questions yeah. from media people. This is the most, you know, uh, boilerplate way to, uh, you know, we, we really have to step it up, play harder. We just got to keep skating. And it, it, you just, it's blather that you kind of just tune out after a time. This guy is, he is, like I said, making it rain uh, and wanting the attention. Uh, yeah, he was, a, he was a guy that, I saw some mock drafts earlier that he was closer to like top 10 pick. Uh, I was kind of surprised that he slipped down to 31, but um, he has the honor of being the highest, uh, the highest uh, picked or the first picked player uh, from an NCHC uh, program. So uh, looking, uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, and it's Duluth getting a, a forward too. It's, you know, it's, this is yeah, goaltending yeah. and goaltending and defense Duluth two to one Duluth. It's nice to have you know some offensive you know someone to speak of uh, on the in the forwards uh, for Duluth. So yeah, I've already uh, I've already made note uh, of Isaac Howard, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to cursing him on this podcast uh, in the future. Yeah, I didn't know Stanley can uh, draft. Uh you know, get forwards there that are, are drafted so high. You know, uh, I, I figured that you wouldn't want to touch that program. Uh, but uh, sure enough, Isaac Howard. And like you said, I think uh, I think he said that, um, you know, he wore that bold suit uh, at, the, at the draft and said, well, I'm, I'm the best looking guy here, so yeah. I might as well be the best dressed. I think that's what his line was. So, yeah, it's it's nice to see some some swagger and some uh, personality, yeah. like you said, from, from some of these hockey players. So, so I, I, I love that. Love the suit too. I, th- I think it looks, I think it looks sharp. So, uh, but at, at the same time, yeah, I'm looking forward to yelling at him and 
being not happy with them that's uh, right through the next few years so uh you know rounding out uh uh north dakota they had three picks uh and then uh, colorado college and omaha both had one so it's uh, miami and western uh both left with the with the bagels yeah and overall from a you know college hockey ncaa hockey at least perspective not not the not the best draft in that regard you know there's been drafts in in past years where double digits uh ncaa commits went in the first round seven this time around uh and last year you know you had four of the top five picks being from michigan and all that michigan got two first rounders drafted this time minnesota gophers back to back uh yeah 13 and 14 Gophers, uh, Bob Motzko did a pretty pretty decent job, at least with this with the draftees. He got three dra- uh, three first rounders committed, including Logan Cooley at number three overall. He's a guy that I think was a Notre Dame commit up until six months ago or so. Um, so probably a one and done guy, um, but he had a lot of hype as well. Uh, selected by the Coyotes, um, so. Yeah, uh, so Matsko uh, did a nice job with the, with his recruits, at least from from the top end uh, uh, in, in the uh, first rounders uh, as as they go. So uh, that should uh, should be fun when they lose in the NCAA tournament again. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, and Dylan James, I don't know if you mentioned North Dakota, uh, he was their uh, top drafty at number 40 in round two he had a hell of a season in the ushl as well uh expect him to have a, a big freshman season uh yeah it's just uh just going over the names and and reminding myself of some of these recruits at least you know certainly from the st cloud state perspective and and elsewhere in the conference uh it gets me you know even in the 100 degree weather here in the summertime it gets me excited for the uh for the upcoming season uh, and so it's always a, it's always a, a good, a good time to just kind of see the, the state of certain programs. And I mean, it's not, it's not everything. It's the you know, NHL recruits. I, you know, look at Michigan last year. It, 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 you know, the, the fact that you can yeah. get all the NHL or, you know, high end, uh, NHL draftees doesn't guarantee anything. Um, doesn't certainly doesn't guarantee a, a, a NCAA title, so it's not everything, but it's a good gauge as far as uh, recruiting goes, and and as we said, good to see uh, Ingram and and Hall uh, have their name called. Two quick um, observations I want to make about the Big Ten. Um, just um, Sam Rinzel, uh, the third. Minnesota pick of the third round um, that went 25th defenseman to Chicago uh, is going back to the USHL. Um, So even though he's uh, drafted, he is not going to be playing college hockey. Um, And just a a little bit rare, not entirely uncommon. I think there was one a few years ago that that happened too, where they get drafted, but they, you know, went back to the USHL. But he will be coming. Um, He will be coming to the Gophers next year. Correct. No, they have him incoming in 2023. That's what I mean. Like he's he's still yeah. he's still going to be going to the Gophers, just not this year. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, Quinn Finley, uh, the 78th overall left winger, uh, committed to Wisconsin, is scheduled to be incoming in 2024 because oh. Wisconsin likes to be Wisconsin. 
So I yeah. just think that's got to get it, uh, get them, get them a little young. And uh, yeah, we just, there's that, there's that log piles, you know, blockade of recruits that are committed that, you know, can't really fit them in until, <laughs> until then, until somebody can't, else has to decommit to get out of Wisconsin. We don't have room on this 10 win roster for you right now. <laughs> Back of the line. <laughs> Um, we got some rule changes coming up, uh, but uh, first, I think we should take a quick, uh, take a quick break. I'm not used to the sponsorship stuff, so kicking over the spot to the ad read. I'm sorry, I'm not used to it, but you know, thank you, um, all of our sponsors for the support and, and whatnot. So, uh, so so that's wonderful. So, um, yeah, we'll take a quick break, um, and uh, we'll listen to the ad. So. Yes, uh, yeah, we got a new one this week. It's Green Apron, everybody. Today's podcast is brought to you by Green Apron. Green Apron is the world's number one mail-delivered meal preparation service specifically engineered for cannabis lovers. Green Apron thinks of munchies in a whole new way. It's not so much munchies as it is lunchies. Get it? It's not quite lunch, but not quite munchies either. It's lunchies. So summertime means it's stone fruit season, and Green Apron is is here for all your best stone fruit needs. From our righteous Panama red cherries to our mellow tangerine dream nectarines, Green Apron delivers dope droops for every occasion. Each Green Apron lunchie is hand-packed with love by one of our Green Apron buddies and delivered right to your mailbox. Listeners to the Huskies Hockey Podcast are likely fans of Herb Brooks, and so is Green Apron. Our listeners can get 50% off off their first order by going to greenapron.wordpress.com slash herb. That's greenapron.wordpress.com slash herb. Green Apron, because high quality can always be higher. Green Apron. All right. Thanks to everyone at uh, Green Apron uh, for, for that. So please, uh, Indeed. Please, support, uh, please support Green Apron. Uh, we appreciate their sponsorship. Uh, rule changes uh, that we've got uh, going on uh, for this next year. Quite a few. Uh, quite a few that I am a fan of. Others that I'm not really a fan of that I don't think are really going to uh, solve a lot of things. So uh, what do you want to do? Do you just want to go one by one and go over which ones are you think kind of fit or or I should say just go just one by one. Uh, just get our thoughts on them. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these should be pretty quick. I mean, there's not a ton. I mean, length of intermissions can be... T- we don't do short anything quick. I know. <laughs> but at, we can, yeah, we can go point by point if you want. Just at, in general or, or as a whole, I was kind of underwhelmed by these. Not a, The ones that I wanted them to change, they kept. And things that they changed, I don't really care too much about. So, yeah, why don't we just uh, jump in, I guess. Um, all right. Uh, kind of the big one is uh, a change for reviewable plays. Or, I guess, the transfer. Kind of. I guess. I get... Yeah, let's, let's do the reviews first. Um, okay. So, there's going to be some... Again, this was a, a little unclear. Because it sounds like... It's going to go to a coach's challenge system, which is what they were doing in some regard, except now if 
I'm going to throw it to you. I think you've got this organized better than I do. So go ahead. Yeah. So reviewable plays uh, such as goalie interference, um, offsides, high sticking, um, or anything that like that that leads to a goal will now require a coach's challenge. Um, if the play is not reversed, the challenging team will lose its timeout. Uh, teams can continue to challenge plays without a timeout, but will be assessed to delay a game penalty if they are uh, unsuccessful in the challenge. So you're right that they kind of pseudo did it, but even then it's, I, I felt like it was, you know, last year it was still very much a, you know, calling the ice is blah, blah, blah. We're going to, you know, play is under review. Um, that's not going to happen anymore. It's going to be a, this is the call on the ice. And then if the, you know, Cooster is going to go ahead and earpiece down to Enga, who's going to feed it over to Larson. I would imagine just whether or not to try to challenge a play. Um, so overall it's, I, you know, it'll, I think it'll eliminate a lot of unnecessary reviews that, definitely took too much time you know whether st cloud scored or they didn't or they let in a goal you know there were way too many reviews over the past few years where it was clearly a goal and it's just move on with the play and they're trying to dissect under everything to try to make sure it's an okay goal when you know it didn't need to go to a review in the first place so overall i am a fan of this change uh, so I hope this will streamline everything a little bit better in the future. Well, here's here's my question. So it says here I'm I'm reading the Schlass the Schlossman article uh, that recaps these, and I trust Schlossman. Uh, he says that goaltender interference, offside, and high sticking the puck into the net. These are these are the ones that require a coach's challenge in order to review. He says previously officials could review these on their own and they often did. So I'm reading that as officials no longer have the discretion to do that without a coach's challenge, which I agree. I think that's a plus, but then he goes on later and says officials still have discretion to review other aspects of goals as well as plays where a major penalty is being considered. So you're still giving the the refs uh, an opportunity to needlessly review crap. And I don't know beyond what Schlossman writes there, that sentence that I just quoted, I don't know exactly what all that entails, but it's, it would be better if it was just every review comes from a coach's challenge. We don't give the, the officials the discretion to, to do any other reviews because if you give them the rope, they'll take it. And we're going to still be. We got to go baby steps. It's, it's college hockey. We we're going to be here steps. in October and we're going to be like, why are they sitting here for 15 minutes reviewing this? Whatever it is. Uh, they'll find something to, to look at. They love looking at, at the camera. Because um, when you say that there is one that is missing, that is, I shall I say, a method of goal scoring that is distinctively missing from that list kicking in. And that would be a kicking in motion. And I think if you were, if you were to rate, and this is just coming off the top of my head, like what are the most common reviewed goals? I would say goaltender interference. I would say goaltender interference. Number one, kicking in number two. 
and maybe like a high um, high sticking, like a high stick deflection. Even even high stick, I think will. I don't think that happens as much, you know. And maybe offsides, but but, but I would you, say I would say kicking in happens more than both those two. Yeah, and and we're gonna get and, almost, and that's where almost it's every like, game that, it's gonna be was it a kick or not? Yeah. And, so, and then and then and then no one's gonna know. Now I can foresee the confusion that's going to happen. <laughs> that you know, whereas one, you know, they're gonna drop the puck after that play, and the, and the coach is like, "Well, why didn't you review that?" And the rest gonna say, "You're supposed to challenge that." And it's like, "No, this is under kicking in, which is your discretion to go ahead and right. look at it." And then so you're gonna get this kind of back and forth, and why this? Oh, so we're gonna have to wait two years before that's instituted as well. Yeah, and I would rather them just get rid of this. We have a challenge, and but if you lose that one, then then you and if you so it's right now it's you get the two minute penalty after the second challenge. You, you burn your time out if you miss it the first time, but then if you challenge it to get a, a second play, and that is not overturned, then you're assessed. Or if a you've already. Penalty. Or if you've already used your time, you've already used the timeout, I yeah. suppose. Um, I think they yeah. should just do the two minute penalty. If you get it wrong, you get the two minute penalty right away. I, I don't even think you should burn the timeout first. I think and I just think every every review should be a coach's review. And if it's yes, if I it's agree. right, then it's right. It's overturned. If it's wrong, you get a two minute penalty. I think that will limit the amount of reviews to the ones where the coaches are most sure that it's going to be overturned. Um, and we just, we get a better game flow because right now, if you're just losing a timeout, I don't think that's a dis uh, that's not as much of a disincentive for coaches to, to say, we'll, we'll challenge it. So I think just, if you have, if it have it on the line, it's going to be, you're going to be going on the penalty kill. If you, if it's not overturned, I would prefer that, but I would just prefer less reviews. Um, and so that's that's my sort of ultimate goal is to review it less because we don't want to stop the game for for a long time and get rid of any sort of momentum in the game. But I guess Do you, said, you think this will lead to less reviews. I think this will be largely a, a neutral change. I don't think this really? is, I don't think this is going to really? change much from what it was last year to this year, because, like I said, there's no greater penalty for doing that. Now, other than if you're going to challenge it twice you know, and lose two challenges, I suppose maybe, I mean, we're maybe talking a 10% game. I, I don't think it's going to be a, it's not like we're implementing the pitch clock in baseball and it's going to shave a uh, half hour off the game. I, I don't think it's going to be that drastic. Um, you seem to, you seem to a baseball. I went to a baseball game the other day and I totally forgot that they instituted all this change, all those changes. And I'm looking out in the outfield about a clock counting down, and I'm like, what the heck is going on? So, yeah, totally, totally forgot that they... Was that the... Do I think that this is going to change? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, was that the Rocks? Did you go to a Rocks game? No, no, uh, I went to the Twins-White Sox game where they got lambasted, like, 13 to 2 or 12 to 2 something but they like have, that. They I mean they they don't they're not doing a pitch clock in MLB yet. They probably will next year, but they might be maybe they have something that's like testing it out or something. There was a clock counting down all of the time. There was yeah. So I would I I would imagine It's not being it's, it's not being enforced. I I I I know, but 
Um, oh, it's, it's minor, just practice. Then. The minor leagues is has been doing it this year, and college has. So, like when I went to a college game, they had the clock there, but it didn't seem like they were really enforcing it very much. So, um, anyway, we're getting off off you topic. To, you went to a college baseball game? Yeah, I went to a couple this year. Um, the University of Arizona is here. They're pretty decent. They made the tournament this year. So yeah, but like when you're. When do they play? Like, would it they're, play March, their, April? Their season is February. Their first game was, like, middle of February. The College World Series ends, like, the last week in June. It's like a four-month season. You play 60 games, roughly. I love it. I love that part of it. I, th- I think college hockey should be much shorter season. Like, I, I, oh, li- I like the fact that college baseball is four-month beginning to the very end, like, if you don't make the college world series, if you're like, you're just, if you lose in your conference tournament, it's like a three and a half month season or a three month season close to it. So it's, it's very compact, um, which I like. So yeah, I went to, gotcha. I went to four. Games. I'm just, I'm just thinking of sitting out in Arizona, watching a baseball game, just set, like that just sounds like I need like SPF 3000 on the first, sunscreen. the first two games I went to, it was like 50 degrees. Um, one game, one game, it was too cold. Um, but then the last couple of games that I went to, one of them was like 99 degrees. So I, I got, I got but, both. But a, I got kind of both. But extremes. it's a dry heat. It is a dry. Heat. Yeah. And no, but no mosquitoes. Oh, I suppose. But rattlesnakes. So pick your poison. I haven't seen one yet. Knock on wood. Oh, oh, nice. Um, do I think, I think this will be a bigger change. Yes. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's going to eliminate a lot more of the ticky tacky and I, th- I think timeouts are very held to a little bit higher of an esteem in a lot of coaches eyes than like in a lot of fans eyes i think they want to hold on to that timeout for as long as possible which is why you know you're down three four nothing early coaches usually don't use that timeout <laughs> you know right away in in the game to try to counter momentum and whatnot so I do think this is going to be, I think it's a good change. I do think it's going to be uh, an impactful one. And if it's not, I am going to cry. Just flat out beetle position because, you know, at least the college hockey brass knows that we cannot continue on this route. <laughs> yeah. Of, of all these challenges. So. If, if it's, if it get if it's, it, even if I said like 10%, I'll take it. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to be optimistic on this. As you said, um, or I think you mentioned, like the checking from behind, those type of reviews, they kind of specifically said we're going to try to limit those, or we don't even have, they, they're not uh, like forced to eject somebody if they, you know, if they review it. Like the whole, like, if we review a major, we can't, we can't review a minor, or if we review a penalty, it can't be a minor, it can only be a major. I think they're changing that. So, I mean, Again, if it results in fewer trips by the refs to the putting the headphone headsets on, I'm for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, not all contact to the head and chicken from behind penalties will carry an automatic game misconduct or a game qualifi- disqualification. So officials now have the option of just calling a five minute major without ejecting the player. Right which was stupid to have in the first place. Yep. Um, and the fact that they had to kick him out, and obviously this, you know, 
pretty much lost the game for Tech minutes into the. I mean, let's face it, well, Tech wasn't going to that, and the fact that they were um, playing Duluth, but Duluth, <laughs> I mean, in the, Duluth too. in the NCAA tournament. Come on, uh, yeah, and especially with your uh, Hobie uh, top ten out of the game, yes, really early within like the first five minutes. Are, yeah, so I mean, the fact that it was in the rule anyway, you know, right away that you know you don't have that you know severity impact right there i mean yeah you need that i know it might be a little subjective and obviously you know any of those calls are very uh iffy when it comes when it comes to it but that's i think that definitely was a change that needed to happen um transfers uh transfer portal and uh that uh looks to get updated and uh, unlimited transferred, um, but it's a 60-day window um, that uh, kind of goes from, like, March to May. So it's kind of interesting that it doesn't start from the end of the season, um, well, but it, it starts... says the day of the NCAA selection show. So the end of the season for all but 16 teams. I suppose. Um. But yeah, unlimited. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's going to be the They're first right. first guy to play four different year, four different right? colleges? I hope so. I mean, I'm going to guess his first year will be for Wisconsin. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and then um, because there are six people behind him, ready to go chomping at the bit, they're going to go somewhere else. So that person is probably going to uh, go ahead and uh, you know maybe Michigan State. There will be go. the second team, uh, and then switch over to University of New Hampshire, and then end the career at Canisius. That's going to be the path that's going to happen. And it's going to be a goalie, too, I bet. <laughs> it's going to be a goalie. And then the, the, his, at Canisius, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna win the Atlantic all Hockey Atlantic Championship. Hockey team, yep. 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 And, and no, gonna I'm going to say, so... Two-point... Oh, one goals against average with a 94 save percentage. I like that. So he does that his third year. Instead of starting at Wisconsin, he ends at Wisconsin after winning Atlantic Hockey goalie of the year. And then he's got like an 877 goals against in Wisconsin in his senior year. <laughs> and only played like the first six games of the season. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then there's some freshman that took his job. I like it. Man, this this hypothetical guy has had a had a rough go of it. I yeah, feel sorry for him. Well, he so. he won Atlantic Hockey Goalie of the Year one year. I mean, it couldn't be that bad. I, I don't. I'm just stay where you're at, buddy. Um, non-conference games where the game is tied after overtime. God, I can't even get through this. <laughs> <laughs> non-conference games where the game is tied after overtime. The whole school's conference policy on shootouts will be followed. Shootouts were previously not allowed in non-conference games. And I think every... So it just adds, I think adds every, more confusion. Every conference, I think, has shootouts now. So I think everybody will just play a shootout regardless. In non-conference games, the more, that means absolutely nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing. Well, let's hope, again that they're not factoring in shootouts to any sort of pairwise or RPI uh, uh, considerations. Uh, the, the thing here with Schlossman's review 
or recap of all the rule changes, the biggest tidbit on this bullet point was overtime protocol will remain the same, which is how I'm reading that is this, this stupid point, what is it, point 0.5 extra RPI for an overtime win for the three-on-three. The three three. That, I'm, I'm assuming, is the same for next year, which we hate. Because uh, it's basically a tie, but instead of, it, it counts as 0.55% of a win in RPI if you win in the three-on-three, three, and if you lose, it's 045 of a win, so it's essentially a tie. That, as I am reading it, is going to stay the same, which, I mean, there was coaches went on, uh, several coaches last year went on record saying they hated that as well. Surprised that that didn't get more uh, attention as far as we want to see what that is, because, I, I mean, there was, I know the American International coach uh, lost four or five overtime games early and was was complaining about it. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of it just because it's confusing for the lay fan to figure out what the impact like the impact of a three on three overtime winner is is very negligible. The biggest impact of that, I would think, isn't the RPI as much as it is that it counts in the record as a loss. And that will come up when we talk about like the Wisconsin rule, which we talked about with Duluth last year, uh-huh. is that someone could be under 500 in quotes because their losses are all lumped into one. So the overtime losses and the regular, you know, regulation losses in the record that they use for the stand, the official standings, that will all be lump- all those losses are lumped in together. So that. To me, that's more impactful than any sort of, you know, fractions of a point in the RPI. And that, I mean, as we saw with Duluth, that ended up not mattering uh, anyway. But disappointed with that, just I think that they can make... Yeah, thanks, Huskies, for ruining <laughs> that one. Uh, disappointed they, they couldn't just clean that up. I, I just, I, I feel like it's, conf- it's confusing to me, and I'm sort of a hardcore fan, and you think that there would be... Less, that's the problem. Less hardcore fans that's... that would be more confused by that and just make it just more transparent and easy to, to grasp. Um, and so the fact that they're sort of kicking that down the, you know, kicking that can down the road, not a huge fan of that. And not a huge fan of pointless shootouts like that literally mean nothing <laughs> either. Yeah. Like, I would love, like, I'm going to make a flowchart and it'll. It, it'll just be a flowchart so I can keep it straight. And so I can send it to Jim Rich, Jim Rich. so he can keep it straight <laughs> of, of what all of this means. Um, and the, the thing is, I will start it off probably as a serious flowchart, but it's going to have to get comical because it's just so many of these asinine rules that are just kind of shoved in there. And, you know, I was looking for, and I thought I saw it, and we're going to have to come back to it in the next episode. Um, but I, I thought they were, I thought I saw discussions of them changing the weightings as well. I didn't see of, that. I was looking for that. Of, and of I, overtime. Or if you find I don't know out. if it's of overtime or um, road loss or road wins. 
in overtime, like RPI weighting yeah. a little bit differently. So if you find that, I don't know, I'm, send it to me because I was looking specifically for clarification on that. I'll, and... I'll add it onto my flow chart. You know, maybe instead of like celebrating it as 55% of the win, you can celebrate it as 66% of the wind or whatever it's going to come out. Let me ask you this. If there was, so we got this current ties. Ties. Oh no, I'm sorry. That's the more. Uh, that's the question? moral of my story. Yes, ties. Embrace the tie. But I'll put you this hypothetical. How about we? So we, right. we got the system that we have now, which is clear as mud. Or it's a three-on-three overtime, and if you score, it's a hundred percent of a win, and if you lose, it's zero percent. You get all the RPI points. It's as if you won in regulation. If it's a three-on-three overtime, which would you prefer? I would prefer that. You would. And I, just from I the, would prefer that from the clarity just standpoint. Just for the simplicity, simplicity of, it. of it. Yep. Yeah. Until exactly. until the first However, until the first time I that St. Cloud loses in a three on three, and then you're like, ugh. Bring it back. To, I'm totally I'm I'm okay. I would be okay with the weighting of it. However, my original complaint of three on three overtime in general will still be the same. Yeah, I'm, that I don't like. I don't, I don't like, like three don't on three, like three overtime three. in the first place, and I hope I, and I wish that we'd get rid of it because a coaches are sucking all the fun out of it. Yes. They're coaching all the fun out of three on three hockey, uh, and b anyone who says it's more hockey than a shootout, I think is just full of. It's just it's more odd man rushes, and now it's just you know it's you know some teams may not even touch the puck before it's a breakaway and a goal, and it's like okay now you don't even have a chance to answer that on another breakaway. Are they sucking the fun out of it? I, I think I know the answer to this anyway. But are they sucking the fun out yes. of it because um, because they know there's not a ton on the line in the overtimes? I would say that's not true because the NHL is kind of the same way. NHL is sort of done in the three-on-three overtimes. They kind of do the same stuff where they're hanging out in the neutral yeah. zone a lot of the time. They've sort of figured that all out. It's not like mm-hmm. we're just going to go on and do the two-on-one thing back and forth. Um, so I don't even think that that... I, I was just spraying to mind. I don't know if that was... I like these hypotheticals, though. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't like three-on-three either, yeah. but I think I agree with you that I would almost like just doing the full win, full loss, no halvesies, you know, just... If you're going to have a win on your record, make it count. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. maybe. You'd think that if, if you're going to play enough overtime, it'll kind of come out in the wash. I mean, some team, like in the, uh, American International, they're going to... They're going to lose seven overtime games, and they're going to complain about it. But uh, it's, it'd be interesting to to see, or it'd be interesting to see if they weighted it that way, how much of a difference it would make. But that's a that's a different project, or the project for a yeah. different day, I guess. Exactly. But in the end, stupid shootouts are dumb, and we're going to have more. Yes, embrace the tie. That's that's the the moral of the story. Uh, college now, um, for offsides, uh, the skate will not have to be touching. It could be hovering. So all of the airspace, uh, on this top of the blue line will be, um, considered onside if your skate is above the line and, and still on that right side of it. I am a fan of this rule. I, I think that even those splitting hair differences, of you know offsides and now taking away a goal because it was a quarter of an inch of white space. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, 
now, you know, if it's hovering above, we're going to be able, you know, those are going to, you know, stand as goals. And I, I like that. And, you know, it's not like we had great picture quality anyway to tell if the skate is on the ice or off the ice uh, because, you know, parallax angles or any, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, <laughs> ways you can look at uh, something and whether or not it's on or off. It's just, I, I think it's just easier to say, yep, you're, you know, I just look at offsides as what's the spirit of the rule. And, you know, if you're, you know, hovering above the blue line, I think it's still, I think it should still count. And I'm happy that they're making this change. Yeah. I hate offsides reviews. Um, I, I don't think we should have offside reviews at all. Um, so I'm for this. I would say the only time that I really don't like, Oh, you want my hot take? I don't think we should have offsides anymore. Boom. <laughs> yeah. I said it. I said it. Not sure if I'll go that far, but I like the I like the nope. hot take. Uh, I like that. I would say like an offsides shouldn't be a uh, goal shouldn't be overturned. Picture hockey without offsides. Didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, just uh, saying. I don't know. No, no, just you'll just have Spihar hanging out Some, all yeah. the time, and it's just suckle. There is going to be suckles. There you go. Um, but. Yeah. But defend it then. Yeah. Nice or, or don't have have the man advantage. I don't know. Yeah. I think it adds a whole sweet uh, risk reward element. But anyway, I know I'm definitely not going to win that one. So I just I hate the one. I hate the offsides reviews where I can see it. If the player who was offsides scored the goal. But there are some of the reviews like a guy is going off on a shift like he's not even in the play and he's on the boards dangling one foot over the boards. I think they did that in the NHL a few years ago where they took a goal off because, you know, some guy was off the ice but was technically a, a hair in the zone when he was doing it. If you're like offsides and you're the guy that gets the puck and then scores, I would say that you can maybe that that's much more significant than i mean you're you're you've overturned goals with guys that are offsides that aren't part of play at all so the less offsides reviews the better for me um thumbs up on this one yep yep and uh with that is now um the provision that nullified video review of a potential offside play if a defending team gained possession and control of the puck was removed. So now, uh, if you are offsides, linesman didn't see it, and the play continues on for two and a half minutes in the opposing zone, uh, and then the goal is scored, they can challenge for offsides and nullify that goal. So it seems, I, so it seems like the last thing we said is going to lessen offsides reviews and then this adds a couple more this adds so this is the monkey's paw here that uh that, that you're gonna get with and this really was college hockey rule changes this one was specifically a north dakota instituted rule change because they it was against boston university in the mm -hmm. ncaa's in one of the years at fargo i think had a regional and there was a, a goal with this where it was, I can't remember the exact who scored it or what, but it was scored it. And they, I think they overturned it because of this, where 
the other team gain possession during the same play. But then the goal, I think North Dakota scored it, but then they waved it off because uh, BU had touched the puck in the zone, or I, I can't remember. But so this was all sort of a North Dakota rule, instituted rule, and now they're getting rid of it. And because it was a whole North Dakota thing to begin with, I'm happy on that aspect of it. I just don't <laughs> like the uh, that we're sort of adding. Hey, this is sort of a, a niche, a rare circumstance it's not going to come up all that much um but i would just have i would have not touched that one i guess myself but you can't win them all i guess well however i believe it was the second goal maybe that umass scored uh against st cloud or the third goal that was actually um went to a review for an offsides but it uh upheld because of this provision because they deemed that the Huskies player had control to get it out of the zone. Um, but they didn't and they ended up scoring. Why do I not remember so, that? I tried my best to black that game out. Um, well, that's probably why, but yeah, I don't remember that. I mean, it, I mean, it probably wouldn't have changed anything the way everything went that night, yeah. but, um, yeah, I, I, I remember being a little bit upset about that because, you know, to to me, it looked like he touched it, had possession of it, and and that should have, or that he didn't have possession of it, but they deemed it that he had possession of it, so therefore that offsides was rendered mute, and they were able to score on on that play. So that's I don't know, like like you said, monkey's paw. It's going to be different. Um, you know, we hopefully limit or more goals can stand, and now. Now more goals can be taken away from from this. Hopefully yeah. not a lot, though. Famous last words. The, we're gonna we're, 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 we're gonna get we're gonna get stuck on this one sometime. Yeah. Um, intermissions, like you said, uh, twelve or fifteen minutes in length, not eighteen. Good. Eighteen is way too long. Um, I would argue fifteen minutes is too long, but gotta have your sponsors, so whatever. Um, gotta have your grant paid. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Hashtag Grandpage, who liked my tweet, by the way. So. Sweet. Um, players not allowed on the ice before the start of the pregame process, and non-starters must proceed directly to the bench after intermissions. Whatever. I didn't understand this was yeah. an issue, but apparently there was one issue one time. Um, uh, what was it? Western Michigan and North Dakota or whatever. I don't know. There's some story that I didn't really care. Uh, defensive team high six of the puck in the defensive zone. The defensive team will not be able to change its players, um, which is consistent with the hand passes in the defensive zone. Okay, whatever. Um, I, I think that's not that big of a deal. Um, cover the puck of the crease is now reviewable uh, by coaches challenge. That's not so not officials have their own discretion to review, but it's, it's only a coaches challenge. I think that's how I'm reading it. Yep, exactly. Which is, you know, how long do they cover it for? I mean, that's now it's just going to spark a whole lot of other debates, which granted those other debates were there anyway. So I guess it's just more of the same. Yeah. But so, uh, yeah, those were some of the uh, uh, rule changes and kind of uh, what our thoughts are about that. Um, any. Final thoughts on, on the rule changes? I'll try to remember 
Um, or I'll try to get you the uh, what goal it was for UMass. We'll have that probably for the next podcast. Yeah, yeah I, so. like I said, I, I, I was annoyed that overtime is going to be the same. I, I, I have not liked the overtime format that they've used the last few years. And that's kind of my biggest rule change hill that I'm willing to die on. And the fact that they didn't really address that uh, was frustrating. Um, and as, as I, we sort of debated, like, I, I don't think the review, the changes to the review process, I don't think they'll be as impactful as you do. I hope that they are, because I, like I said, I like less reviews. And if that's the case, then, then I would be uh, for it. There's nothing in here that's egregiously like, you know, I'm going to quit this podcast and stop watching the sport, obviously. Uh, Flip a table. But that's kind of how you go with real changes. Most most of it is just small, incremental stuff. So, yeah, I, I, a lukewarm thumbs up, I'll sum it up as. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, by the way, I remembered... Uh... Uh, Jacob Benson went to high school with uh, John Lazat. So they were oh, yeah, recruiting yeah, yeah. Jacob Benson and they yeah, saw Greg John Lazat play and they were like, oh, wait. Yeah, I didn't know that that was the, uh, I didn't know that that was the story of how they got Lazat there. I thought it yeah. was they had already recruited this guy named Blake Lazat. And then they're like, oh, you must have a brother. And they're like, no, we're actually not related at all. Um, they didn't I, know that until it was already signed to an NL. Uh, they thought they were uh, getting some like legacy, NLI. like we got a family connection now. But no, yeah. we're not even like even distantly related. Nope, nope. Sorry. So, um, couple of questions here. Uh, what is a way too early line projections? Uh, projections. I love the question. Yeah. And. And here, here's the thing, here's the tough part about that. And I'm sorry, uh, TJ, to kind of uh, uh, say not yet on that one is just, I just want to know for sure who's coming and who's not. And I think there's still a couple of people I'm, you know, don't know exactly who they are or what they're coming. Then I will. Um, the big thing that I am looking at is basically Ingram. Where is he? Is he going to be? Is he going to be? where is he going to be put in the depth chart in terms of center? Um, and, you know, if, you know, you know Spellacy and Solquist, maybe they do have some kind of surprises. Do you move Crookshank over to wing? Again, I don't see that happening. Do you just put him right at third line center, have him go at it and see? Um, but it's, you know, once we know exactly who the people are, I'm more than happy to go through way too early line predictions. Just, I just want to make sure I have the right people in place. I don't want to forget anyone and whatnot. Yeah, so well, that's my take on it. If you've got any more uh, to say about that, Andrew, go no, I, I, I'm punting as well. Um, I, I think like September would be a good, like we still want to do it before the season, but, Oh yeah, definitely. But still it's, it is sort of academic because I mean, lines, especially, with St. Cloud in the past. I mean, it's kind of a blender. I mean, there's even in during the game, they'll mix up mm-hmm. lines. Uh, so there's not like, this is going to be the Ingram with these wingers. This is going to be the line combinations for the entire year. That might, that might last a shift. Uh, and- Which I mean, and I said, you know, and I talked about, you know, Ingram and the forwards and whatnot. 
I am really interested in these defensive pairings. Yeah, that's another. Yeah, and and we're really deep there on defense. That's more. And I'm really excited to see what these pairings are going to be. And th- like you said, that's more. Or I, I assume that's what you're going to say is that it's more stable for defensive. It's more stable defensively, but even that will shit. I, I'm more kind of interested in combinations just within lines. Like, are they going to keep Mietnin and Cranola together? Um. Crookshank, like I said, I, or like you said, I think he's going to be center. I would, I would be surprised. I think the whole point of them bringing him in was for him to be a center. So I'd be surprised uh-huh. if they shifted him to a wing. But who's he going to play with? You know, um, then you got like power play to to think of. Like power play units are typically a little bit more cemented. Um, yeah. But I mean, again, there's there's always shuffling parts there as well. So it is. Um, you know, it it is a, a moving target uh, topic um, and an interesting one and one I haven't quite d- done enough prep on in July. So let's punt it a month or two. We don't do prep. We don't do prep, but That's I mean, I, I've done like less prep than even even usual. So well, what was it? Common man. It's, uh... <laughs> he's, he's a no prepper. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, let's uh, let's marinate on this topic for a little bit and but it is like i said a good question and we want to do it before the season starts so hold us to that i would say september is going to be the good time because the guys will be you know it's practice will be starting so we'll kind of know who's you know if someone didn't show up or we'll know the the pool of available players there if one of our forwards walks on a cop car walks on a cop car or maybe they flunked out a summer remedial uh you know math class and they they didn't make the grades um we'll we'll figure that out by the time uh september rolls around Uh, maybe somebody got too big into xbox and (laughs) flunked out of college early these are all the the curveballs you know that that these are all the things that you know, have happened in the wonderful history of St. Cloud State. That's so right. That's right. So, um, Dan Jacobson, uh, best pizza you ever had. Um, Ooh. I'll I'll go ahead and you know first and foremost, you know when when St. Cloud had Old Chicago, which I miss very very dearly. Um, they had a pizza double decaroni, uh, which is you know two layers stacked high of pepperoni and they had some hot sauce on there and you add cream cheese to it and i thought you know deep dish pizza and it was so incredibly good if you ever if you're ever ever able to get a pepperoni cream cheese combination do it in a heartbeat it's 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 magic it's incredibly good um and does does it does it come with tums like on the side i mean yeah, you might pay for it later. Um, <laughs> you, you know, the tums are an extra charge uh, that you have to go. So they to just Walgreens sprinkle afterwards. sprinkle it over like kind of like a Parmesan tums. Just, just, just. I, I think uh, I think I get a couple of looks if I'm crushing pills there at the uh, at the table <laughs> to sprinkle onto my pizza. I think I don't think they'd like that very much. Um, uh, so yeah, so the uh, Saint Cloud Old Chicago clothes, I cry at night. Um, but then, you know. Uh, one of my sons has an appointment down the cities for his club foot. Um, he's getting treated for that. And uh, we're driving through and, you know, it's like, hey, let's stop for lunch. Let's go to old Chicago. Boom. They have a double deck roti. We ask for cream cheese. They don't carry cream cheese anymore. And it was it was kind of a bummer. 
So they we substituted it with ricotta, and uh, not the same. <laughs> so that was uh, it was it was a little bit sad. But um, you know, as far as like chain, I would say that's probably my favorite. Um, my wife and I for our five year anniversary went up to Crosby. We stayed at a little. I mean, it's it's kind of a chain, I would say, or a, a couple uh, places. But it's Zafferty's Pizza um, is incredibly good. Um, it's wood fire, like really thin, crispy crust. But it's it was incredibly good um, uh, when we were up at Crosby. So I would highly recommend that if you're um, if you're near a Zafferty's, uh, definitely go there. Um, but you know, Dan was talking about you know in um, Pequots in Chicago and a couple places in New York. You know, I haven't actually not really had pizza in non-Minnesota, actually, I would say. So it's, um, I don't have anything exciting along those lines. Obviously, you know, we've, we've raved quite a bit about House Pizza and Gary's on this podcast previously, but those two kind of stand out to my mind uh, when it comes to pizza. Yeah, are we talking like style or specific restaurant? I'm not sure exactly I mean, I what the question was, but I mean, y- I can you go. can interpret that question how you want. It's pizza, man. Have, yeah. have it your way. I mean, I, I guess like I that's... have had I've had had New York pizza in New York, and it's very good. I like that style of pizza. Um, I'm not Was it a... your favorite pizza joint in New York. My favorite pizza Sabaros? joint in New York City. Yeah, you, you stepped on my on, on the call there, but. <laughs> yes, this uh, place called Sabaro. Uh, it's it's quite good. Um, but uh, I like that style of pizza. I'm not a huge deep dish guy. I typically like thinner crust. Um, actually, I tried. There is a place here that has. I was not familiar with Detroit style pizza. Are oh, you yeah. are you aware of this? I think you'd like mm-hmm. it if you're a deep dish guy because it's similar to that, but they have like they must like put cheese in the pan because like it comes out like the crust has like cooked cheese at, on the sides. And again, I'm not wild about deep dish, but that was different and it was quite good. Um, again, it's pizza. It's hard. Jet. It's hard to be not good pizza. Um, yeah, Jets Pizza has that. Um, oh, really? Uh, okay, deli- I never. Yeah. I, I don't think I ever. I certainly didn't have that style of pizza if I ever had Jets. Um, but that was different. It, it's one of the styles that they have at Jets. Oh, is okay. that Detroit I, style? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, and I, I, I really like it. Yeah, Jet, it's, it's Jets, good. I think, is really good pizza. So. Yeah, in general, I like those kind of the hand toss, like not like crispy thin crust, but like New York style, where it's it's a thin crust but it's foldable. Um, I do like that style of pizza. Um, I, God, I'm just thinking I have not had pizza in a while, and I am hungry for pizza now. Um, wow, so, well, there you go. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Dan. So, I will say though, but uh, for a, for a place in Minnesota, if you're in the Hastings area, go to Spiral Pizza. If they have the thinner crust style, like hand toss that I'm talking about, I'm craving a spy pie right now. Um, so if you, if you're ever in the, the Hastings area, it's right downtown. It's like on highway 61. Hopefully, I mean, I haven't been there in like five years. Um, but I would assume it's been there since like the sixties. So I would assume it's open, but, um, uh, Spyro Pizza in Hastings. That is my, 
Minnesota pizza joint shout out. Interesting. All right. Sounds good. Now, obviously, that thin crust or whatnot, it's got to be cut into squares, right? That is pie cut, yes. Uh, or square cuts, yeah. I'm sorry. That is square cut. And I used to work at a pizza joint in Minnesota, or in Hastings, that's not open anymore. That was also, it was in that same, it was square cut, hand-tossed style. Um, it was not quite as good as, as Spiral, um, but uh, well, clearly. I do like I do like that, the square cut. A heggy, like a good heggies is good. Like those mm-hmm. high-end frozen pizzas. Those can be good. Again, it's pizza. It's hard to screw up. So, so if you're you're on uh, a Heggies or a Lots of Matzah debate, of you're, you're a Heggies fan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. I would probably take Heggies between the two of them, but Lots of Matzah is is good as well. Mm, fair enough. So, and then uh, last question that we got. Uh, if you can magically become one side character in any 90s sitcom, which one would you be? Uh, that's Whiskey Dave. Uh, so thank you for that. And, you know, uh, last podcast, we divided up into two shows. We might divide this up into two. I don't know. <laughs> no, we're, we're, only at a, no, because... we're only at an hour 20. This is, really, this is like <laughs> this halfway is not... done from the last podcast, basically. <laughs> so it's... Um, yeah, this is, I mean, this is a good one. And, um, you know, I posed this question before the pod to Andrew, and he brought up a good point. Like, what do you determine as a side character? Is a side that's character the inherent question. One guest, yeah. Is that one guest role? Is it a guest arc? Or is it uh, a main character but had a few, you know, different scenes? You know, a B, always in the B story. You know, side character can mean many different things. Um, so uh, we're just going to leave it up to you, uh, how you want to define it. I have a list of a few that I would like. Um, and I wonder if we've crossed some, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we were talking, I know, months. I know we've got some shows that are going to cross paths, but yeah, the, the question is inherent here is like, what's a side character. You could make the argument that Kramer is a side character on Seinfeld. The show is called Seinfeld and Kramer is his neighbor. But I would say that Kramer is, I think there's four leads in Seinfeld. And so I would not consider Kramer to be a side character. I would consider him to be a main character. Whereas I would say someone like uh-huh. Tim Watt from Seinfeld, the dentist played by Brian Cranston, that I think more fits the spirit of this question. Where that's gotcha. more... So- so Putty, and Putty, for I, example. Putty was probably going to be my, is that, was that your pick as well? Or one it of your picks? It wasn't my pick. It wasn't my pick. But um, my pick for Seinfeld. And then here, here's the thing. Where do we go from like, here? Like, I think it's got to be I, a, someone that was in multiple episodes, not just a one-off. So I think okay. there is going to be. Because a lot of my people that I have were on, were like mainstays on the show. But I would consider They're... them side characters. Okay, so, so so for Seinfeld, I have I have Newman. <laughs> yes, uh, Newman is great, um, and that, just, def- that I mean, definitely just kind of going going up and just being like, "Hello, Jerry." <laughs> like I, I I think I'd be great at it. Yes, uh, yeah, he is good, and that I think definitely qualifies with what the side character thing is. Um, even though he's way more, Tim Watley was probably in what five or six episodes, whereas Newman was mm-hmm. in dozens. Potty um, was probably in what two, three. Uh, 
I don't think he was in that big of an arc. I think he was in more than Tim Lotley. I'd say he's closer to 10. Um, he, was in, oh, okay. he was in a good amount. I mean, he had the face painter episode with him with the, the devils uh, when they go to the hockey That's game. always the um, one I think of. Yeah. The one where he's it's got the fur paint. coat. Uh, he's got the big fur coat. Uh, he's got the... Um, there was like uh, when... There was, I think, a season six, I think, is when her or she... Or when Elaine is going out with him. I think he's in like three or four... Oh, the one where he's the at the dealership. Where he be, he's actually the car salesman instead of the mechanic now. That's a good episode. Yeah, Putty's in a a decent oh, amount, okay. and he's he's a good. That's a good pick. I Putty's. I, I didn't know I have a IMDb here on this podcast. Uh, Seinfeld IMDb well, going I, through uh, Patrick Warburton's uh, career. I, I I'm I'm kind of obsessed. Maybe well <laughs> sticking on him, we could do Joe Swanson from uh, Family Guy, also voiced by Patrick Warburton. Although that's more hmm. 2000s, I guess, not 90s. I think it started in the late 90s, but more of a yeah. 2000s show. So, but I'm always here for the for the war, Burton. Sure Mo- enough. Moving on from Seinfeld, Ooh. I had, uh, how about, now this one is, again, is this side character or not? Because I think he was in every episode. Al Borland from Home Improvement. Ooh, okay. That, I would say that's a side character, yeah. But see what I'll, I'm saying? Like, he's probably in every episode, but it's different from Seinfeld where he's definitely not the main, he's not a main character. Like, anyone in the uh-huh. family is probably the main character. Or even, like, so you got Al or Wilson. Wilson's intriguing. Like, uh, you could see, like, a Will? spinoff of Wilson, and that would be, like, a drama. Like, it's this wise man with no face. Um... I don't even think that's, that's like, uh, you know, that's kind of like going, going better call Saul versus, it's kind of like going drama off of a comedy. I think you could do it a whole different uh, attitude to that show is like the dark Wilson. Uh, I, I kind of like that idea, but Al, a Wilson, I, 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 a Wilson or uh, origin story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's like, he's, it's, like he was always living in that house and they just built the Tim Taylor house. But for like decades before that, he was the only house on the block. And then all of a sudden this new family shows up and he's like, I got to teach this. And, and he takes one look at him and he's like, this guy is such an idiot. And he finally decides like, I got to teach this guy some stuff about life. And he just kind of, I, I all of a sudden really want to know his backstory. <laughs> there might be something there. There might be something dark there. I don't know if we want to go there. <laughs> oh, but it's very dark. To. It's very yeah. dark. Yes, that's the whole appeal. You, yeah, I mean, man, when I talked uh, 90s show, I went all comedies. But uh, <laughs> here you, you were the comedy with a dark twist here. Let's, let's go. I don't know if any of my, uh, if my guys have a backstory kind of like that. Oh, um, yeah, what else you got? You know. Well, uh, a big, big fan. Obviously, one of my uh, top shows is News Radio. Yep. Uh, so, um, ironically, my first thought was uh, Patrick Warburton's character was uh, Johnny Johnson, who had about five episodes, who was the yeah, counterpart I, to Jimmy James and kind of took over his that. empire. Yeah, I don't remember him five. being. I would have brought him. Yeah, so, that's. Yeah, I think I had not. I have not seen. That's the one with, with Lovitz. Right? Yeah. I don't think I've seen hardly any of those episodes. 
Which but is now, I it, should get is, into it if I've got Warburton to look forward to. Which is a shame because it's some of the funniest I really? think actual episodes are from season five. It's just that Lovitz is such a bad character. <laughs> like the whole premise of the character was bad, not necessarily that Lovitz was bad in it, but it was just I didn't think you needed to try to replace Phil or because it was a big enough ensemble already. You could just reshuffle. And I think you could do a lot with Matthew being the head reporter and Lisa being the on-air talent, but instead trying to kind of shoehorn somebody else in there in the cast, it just didn't work. So, but I mean, there's an episode with the smart drink. That's hilarious. Like I said, the Johnny Johnson arc, that was the five episode arc. A three-parter than a two-parter where um he's jimmy james is convicted of being db cooper so it's um yeah it's but for news radio i picked joe um i know uh joe gorelli joe rogan's uh obviously uh in the news quite a bit for uh all of his you know what he's going going on right now with his podcast and everything but i i really uh, I really like his character on news radio and I think that'd be a fun side character to be. It is good. And, and I, cause I was thinking about news radio as well. I would say, and Phil Hartman, I would say Phil Hartman does not qualify as a side character. I agree. I, I, I could see the argument both ways, but I think that Joe much more fits the fits that definition. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, I would say uh, the Dave Foley character is the main character or the protagonist. But Hartman is just too much. I think he's just too big of a character to call a side character. So that's why I wouldn't yeah. have put, uh, put him in that. I don't think he qualified for this one. But it's worth the, I mean, every time we bring up news radio, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. we, uh, it's always good stuff. Um, couple others that I have. Obviously, we have to have a wings reference. Yes. Um. So, uh, Lowell. I mean, playing playing the dumb airplane mechanic. Uh, I think uh, I think would be a blast. Um. So I think I would I would be him. Obviously, I don't have the skills to be an air um uh, a, a small town airport hub regional sandpiper air mechanic. Uh, but I, I think that was good. And I can't remember what was Tony Shaloub's character's name too. I can't remember, but you're the wings. You're the wings expert. I, I'm the wings guy. Like I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out here and I'm going to be so mad at myself for, for not remembering kids, kids listening, watch wings. Wings was great. Wings was Tim good. Daly. Uncle Phil on Fresh Prince? Does that Uncle qualify Phil. or not? I think more like Jazzy Jeff would qualify. <laughs> uh, uh, which. Didn't they? Did they like. Antonio. That's right. Antonio was his name. Okay, I'm sorry. Did they, did they just do a reboot of the Fresh Prince? I think I yep. read something about that. Have you seen any of that? Nope. Okay. Nope, but it's not that I'm like against it. I, I I'd give it a shot. It's just that there's just so much on TV right now right. that I'm watching. Oh well, yeah, that's any um, any show, especially now, with especially with Better Call Saul. You know, kind of really getting into it. I'm so happy Rhea Perlman. Or Rhea Perlman. 
Rhea Seahorn uh, finally got a Emmy nomination. There's not a bad one though. Rhea Perlman on Cheers. I mean, that kind of I was thinking I was thinking Cheers, and I was like, who would I pick from Cheers? And yeah, everybody, you know, Rhea Perlman probably would be a side character. Um, Again, you know, in one of those seasons, like, Al Borland kind of categories where she's in yeah. every episode, but still not Sam or Diane slash Rebecca. So I think that she would qualify as as side character, more of an '80s sitcom. But it did it did last into the '90s, mm-hmm. so I think it, I think it counts. Uh, so uh, I also okay. So here, if we're, we're, we're let's continue this. Did you ever watch Unhappily Ever After? No. All right, Mr. Floppy, which never, was uh, never heard the, of it. The you've never heard never of even heard Unhappily of it. Ever After? Oh, oh, oh! You're saying, oh, Mr. Floppy is a character from the show. I vaguely have heard Correct. of Unhappily Ever After. I thought you were talking about another sitcom called Mr. Floppy, which I no, have not heard of. But no. no, I'm not familiar with the show. No, Unhappily Ever After was pretty much another version of married with children. Okay. Uh, but, but the, uh, Jeff Pearson played the dad and he, uh, <laughs> went downstairs and he would have a, he would just have a schizophrenic side and he would talk to Mr. Floppy is the bunny. And it was voiced by Bobcat Goldblatt. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the character who I would like to be, but it's like, you know, as the show went on, he, you know, Floppy obviously was like the breakout hit, so he got more and more play. So maybe he's, you know, too big of a main character on that show. But Nikki Cox, uh, Kevin Connolly, um, in the show, so hmm. it was. I don't know. I I really liked Unhappily Ever After. I thought it was hilarious. Any others? I got two others. Go ahead. Are you done? Are you already done? This is 90 show. This did, is my did wheelhouse. You, did you tell? Did, did I say that I didn't do a ton of show prep? Uh, <laughs> I, I spent a couple. Sorry, of, that's right. I, I spent a couple of uh, seconds uh, thinking about it, but I, I did not. My, my list was not comprehensive. I just Googled okay. 90 sitcoms to refresh my <laughs> memory as far as what we got on the uh, of gotcha. options here. But go ahead with your okay. two. And I'll, I'll come up with uh, one. I'll I come suppose. Up with one. I suppose. You know, I suppose you're, you know, that TGIF lineup for me is kind of what got me, so. But, I mean, granted, Unhappily Ever After was on the WB. But, uh, yeah, I got two shows from the TGIF lineup okay. um, here. Um, uh, Jack from Boy Meets World, um, which was Sean's brother um, in the later episodes. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I think this there's, is, I, I watched a fair amount of Boy Meets World, so, yeah. yeah. It's a lot of depth, also, I think, to his character. Um, right now, uh, Daniel Fischel, Ryder Strong, and um, Will Friedle are doing a rewatch of all the episodes, Pod Meets World. Um, and they're on episode four, and I've been absolutely loving it. It's been really interesting hearing them, hearing them talk, and I'm so excited to have them go through all the episodes. And they have guests on and to talk about. So I'm really, really excited for when they get to you know, seasons three and four and whatnot. And so on. And then uh, last and probably my number one uh, is Cody from Step by Step. 
And I'll tell you why. He had the best lines. I thought he was the coolest guy on television, probably at that time. And maybe even looking back, still the coolest. Uh, just lived in the van, just outside, just, just in his, what, his uncle's driveway? I mean, it was just the, li- it was just the life um i i think and for 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 the code man so that's uh that that's my number one uh that i would like to be all these other ones i think are just honorable mentions except maybe mr floppy i think mr floppy would be fun but uh yeah cody step by step number one with a bullet so that's uh that's who my pick is just scrolling through these yeah this is like going down nostalgia lane here Peter Boyle in Everybody Loves Raymond, uh, soft spot for him. Uh, that was you know, I good. never got into I never got into Everybody Loves Raymond. I was never really into it either. They the pizza place that I mentioned uh, earlier that I worked at, we seemed to play. It was like the shift ended with Everybody Loves Raymond in syndication. It was we played it on the TV. So I've seen that's probably the majority of the episodes that I watch were on that TV, like with my manager sweeping the floor. Pretty good entertainment for that context, um, which is isn't that high of praise. Um, but he had some zingers um, pretty much every every episode. Uh, so there's 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 some decent uh, everybody loves Raymond stuff in there. Uh, the Larry Sanders show, which is uh, uh, another great show, and that's specifically in the 90s. I don't think that bled over into any of the other decades. I'll go with Jeffrey Tambor, uh, Hank Kingsley in that show, even though he might skirt the line from side character to main character, mostly a side character because he was the sidekick on, on the show, um, but classic as well. Uh, if you ever have a chance, and again, I'm still like, I've never watched The Wire. It's like, it's one of these shows. It's like, you got to see The Wire. Have you seen The Wire? Oh my God, it's the best show ever. You got to see it. I realize it's like, it's, it's quite the task to sit down and watch 80 hours of, of uh, entertainment. But if you ever have those 80 hours free, you could do worse than uh, picking the Larry Sanders show. Um, so mm-hmm. I'll give that a, a shout out as well. Yeah, that's always on my list. I, I hear a lot of Larry Sanders and never never got into it. Never gave it a chance at the same time. I will say the first season is the weakest. Um, if you get past the first season, it, it's definitely the second season is probably the best. Um, but then it's it's very good all the way. I think it's six seasons, five or six seasons. Um, it's pretty good, although the first season is kind of... Uh, I don't know. I like I watched that first at some point and then I you know, I kind of I didn't go on and then I picked it up again a couple of years later and then I really enjoyed it after from that point on. So Gotcha. Gotcha. So. Well, that about does her. Um on this uh uh episode of uh of the Husky Taggy podcast. Uh you know, we're we're getting down to it. Uh uh, you know, just a few more months here before uh, the puck drops, and you know, I'm getting ready for it. I'm ready for the uh, for for you know a little more news to kind of trickle out, and 
and you know maybe next time we talk uh pearson will either have a job or uh you know maybe be in atlantic hockey who knows who knows yeah we'll 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 keep you updated on that one but yeah we got 67 days probably well like 65 whenever this podcast drops but yeah we're, we're 60 because i think it's october 1st right so 68 67 yeah. somewhere in there something like 60 days plus until the puck drops which feels 60 ish much too soon but i am <laughs> getting excited well, uh, until uh, next time, thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, thank you also to our sponsor. Uh, Green Apron. For, for Green Apron for the, uh, for the sponsorship. So uh, until next time, go Huskies. Woo!